0: Welcome to Maximize Your Influence. This is podcast 219. As we finish up the year and take a few weeks off for the holidays, hopefully you can do the same as it's been quite a busy month. I spent time in the Middle East, in Qatar. That was amazing. Over that side of the world, Dubai, Abu Dhabi. Take some time to visit there. Had some great seminars. So we've talked about, then spent three days in New York City, downtown Manhattan, doing a three-day course on how to maximize leadership. That was a fun one. Had a really good group. So let's dive into the podcast today and start off with the blunder. This is amazing me. It doesn't matter what part of the world you're in or even what part of the United States or the part of any country that you're in is that people don't understand the local culture, the local religion, the local anything. They just do what they do. And we've talked about it time and time again. The best way to persuade, influence, or lead somebody is to understand them, to get in their shoes and lead them and persuade them how they want to be persuaded. So here's the blunder. Homer, don't, don't, don't. This happened when I was in Doha. That's in Qatar. And you could tell who was tourist, not keeping the local rules. There's tradition, there's rules. Even when I've lived in various parts of the United States, there were certain traditions and rules and certain stores that were and were not open on certain days, and, and you just go with it. as part of the culture. That's the majority, and, and that's kind of respecting who people are. It doesn't matter what your beliefs are. It's part of respecting the person and their beliefs and what they do, and that's critical to persuasion. But one big thing over there I noticed was just tourists taking pictures of people, random. You know, They might dress differently. They act differently. Whoa, very offensive, especially to a female taking a picture without their permission. That riles up people and leads to some arguments sometimes and people getting really, really upset because they didn't take the time to understand that culture. Little things like wearing shoes into somebody's home, eating with your left hand and the clothes you wear. It's so simple to understand, so simple to look up. But I saw a lot of different offenses out there. So just be aware. It doesn't matter where you go. In your state, in your country, other countries, being aware, understanding what works, what doesn't work, what shows respect, what doesn't, goes a long way. And that is the blunder of the day. And that can even go for corporate culture. Many times we're going to corporate culture thinking, well, this is how we did over here and over here. And even within departments within large corporations, we're seeing a lot of rifts, a lot of people that are angry with each other because they do things differently. They act differently. They think differently, which is all okay and makes the world great. But we got to adapt and understand and respect those. Simple thing to do, but very few people take the time to really understand and adapt to the culture, situation, company, whatever it is. That is the blunder, and we've all been caught with that. I've made some mistakes. You need to make sure that you understand exactly who you're dealing with and what's going on. So that is the blunder. Let's dive from there into the geeky article of the week. I don't know about that sound. We keep going back and forth. We're going to find one, so vote on that one. Remember, you can always contact me at Kurt at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. That's K-U-R-T. And, of course, our website is MaximizeYourInfluence.com. That's where you get the latest podcasts and latest information about what we are doing. I'm going to talk about power a little bit and kind of the forgotten power. Remember, power increases your ability to influence. I'm going to take a little angle on this one. Interesting study done by the Journal of Retailing BYU and the University of Wisconsin-Madison, that free samples increase sales and work better than end of aisle promotions. Obviously, this is in a retail setting. And you see when you go to Costco, any of those big chain, big box stores they call them when there's samples and samples. And I know a lot of college students that go just on Saturdays for a meal, there's so many samples. But is that effective? What's the most effective thing on samples and sampling? And the study found that the end of aisle displays lose their steam after a few weeks, probably because people are seeing them too much, they get familiar with them. Just like many of those pictures in your home, you don't see that often because they've been there for so long. And comparing that to the actual sample. And that's what's interesting about samples and, and taking samples is it's a form of reciprocity, it's a form of exchange, it's one of the 12 laws of persuasion I put into maximum influence. But this is what they found. Bottom line between the two is that the samples work better across the board, both immediately in sales and the extended time frame. And another interesting thing they found that if the cost of sampling or having somebody there to do the samples and give the samples was 15 times more than the unit price of the product, it wasn't that profitable. So that's an interesting number to take a look at if you're in retail And another interesting thing is research shows smaller stores benefit more from sampling than the larger stores. Like a mom-and-pop bakery would fare better than a Costco. Because I think we know that a mom-and-pop store costs them more. There's a little more effort. I think there's a little more connectivity, too, because it's probably the actual person from the store doing it, or the owner, versus someone that's just hired to sit in a Costco and give out free samples. And another interesting study I found about these freebies and giving things away, is that 70% on average will try what you're giving them. Hey, it's a freebie, why not? I think the other 30% are like, what's going on? They don't want to be committed to listening to you or doing what you're asking them to do. But of that 70%, 37% of them actually bought the product. Right? This is lower-end products, but I want to point out to you that when you trigger reciprocity, when you can give away samples, free product, a planning kit, a catalog personal consult, free estimate, lunch, dinner, bonus, concessions, compliments. I mean, we can go down a long list here. Those all increase your ability to persuade. Those all give you power. And that's what I want to focus on is that forgotten power. Because power increases your ability to influence. And the more power you have, that positive power, I'm not going to go into the negative power. I mean, it's kind of fun to talk about, but it's not part of the true persuasion process. But Power is very important, especially when you talk about leadership and influencing without authority. You have to have power. You have more power than you realize. I mean, we all could talk about the authority power. When you're the boss or you have that title of vice president or CEO or one of my first jobs, I was regional sales manager when I was brand new and knew nothing. Like I mentioned vice president, banks are famous for having a hundred vice presidents, but if there's a title there, Esquire doctor. I mean, we can go down the list. So Authority is easy to understand. I don't want to talk about that because if you're in persuasion, influence, negotiation, a lot of times you're talking to other companies that you don't really have that power. So I want to talk about other forms of power that you have and that forgotten form of power that we're not using as much as we need to. So one of the first rule is when you go into a situation like that, try to assess your power. Maybe you don't have that authority power. Again, we're not going to use the negative forms of power. But is it trust? Trust is a form of power. Your history, your credibility, your, your competence, like, just like knowledge is a form of power, right? That competence and knowledge, that is definitely a huge form of power that people can use. Being the expert, having the knowledge, because once people accept you as the expert, there's very little persuasion or resistance. There's the relationship, the connectivity, the rapport that you enjoy can be a form of power. A lot of people don't realize esteem is a form of power. If you can compliment an award, you can praise somebody to somebody else, is a form of power we tend to forget. Charisma, of course, on laws of charisma, that is a huge form of power. When you're charismatic, people want to be around you. They want to be influenced by you, and it makes it much easier. Confidence, not arrogance. Arrogance is that negative side when people are really bold and arrogant. It can be a form of power, but I'm talking about true confidence. And even nonverbals, how you react, how you walk into a room, the studies are amazing on how that works out from lawyers, the way they walk in the room and how the jury judges them to the way you present yourself. And you can look up those past podcasts where we talked about those on influenceuniversity.com and take a look at them. One episode you might be interested in is episode 183 on emotional hijacking. You can go there. We've talked about it. Mostly so you can be aware of it when it happens to you. I really don't want you to use those forms of power. But again, those archives are available to you. Those are free. Imagine that, free for you. But let's get into that forgotten form of power. What that form of power is, is exchange or reciprocity. We don't realize when we're influencing or negotiating, especially if we're influencing up or another department, another company, we think we're powerless, that there's not much we can do. But exchange is huge. It's one of the main things that you can do. You can call it exchange, reciprocity, obligation. Doesn't matter what it is, it makes a huge difference. And it's interesting that this is embedded in every culture. You could go to the jungles of South America, and if somebody does something for you, feel an urge, an impulse to do it back. We're not talking teenagers here or people are related to. There's an odd thing between the relationship between the giver and the recipient But usually, when you do something for somebody, they have an urge to do something back, whether it's an invitation, a compliment. So basically, when others do something for us, we feel a need, a rush to return the favor. I mean, that's what it is. Even in a negotiation, it's called reciprocal concessions. The studies show time and time again that when you go first, that if you concede on an issue, they're more willing to concede on an issue. But if you don't concede on anything, then they're going to resist. In fact, you can use reciprocal concessions In the persuasion process, it's a very powerful thing. If you're trying to persuade someone to do something and you're getting resistance and resistance, let them persuade you on a few points that you don't care about, that are important to you. Now, they're more open for you to persuade them on a few points. But if you keep resisting, you're going to get resistance. If you start off mean, they're going to get mean. You start off nice, they're going to start off nice. No guarantees, but that's what the studies show. And so when you do this, how do you create a need or obligation or what do you have to exchange? I mean, be genuine and altruistic here. You don't say, I'm going to do this and you have to do this. That's not what we're talking about. That's not what it's all about. That's manipulation. I mean, if I'm going to another department and I need to influence them to do something and I'm feeling powerless because we're equal in status, I would think, what do I have to exchange? Could it be helping you with a project? or you going to help me with a project? Maybe it's going to loan a couple people from my team and then later you'll do the same. Maybe... It's going to be you know, a part of your budget and they're going to help you with something else. What do you have to exchange? Well, they need? Maybe it's information. They need this information. They need this report. They need you to hurry this up. Maybe it's a time frame. Look, I'll do it in two weeks instead of four, but I'll need this, this, and this. What do you have to exchange? What can you give them? This is a great form of power. Is it a gift, time, favor, compliment? There's so many different things that you can do to understand how this works. So it's prevalent in business, right? When you're trying to influence your exchanging, it's prevalent in negotiation. and marketing, it's rampant. I mean, you see the disabled American veterans sending out those return address stickers you didn't ask for. It doubled their success rate or donations by 35%. Putting that $20 check into a questionnaire for physicians, right, they're busy. Had a dramatic increase in the amount of physicians that filled it out, 78%. Now some cheated and cashed the check, but most didn't. That's the interesting part. One of my favorites, the college professor way back, this was over 20 years ago, got the white pages out and started addressing Christmas cards to people he didn't know. And he started getting Christmas cards back. And I was teaching a seminar on the East Coast. This guy raises a hand and says, hey, it was my brother. That was over 20 years ago. And he's still getting Christmas cards from that. It's just one of those things to think about, is it? your time. Even listening to someone about their weekend or helping them out with a project or giving them some time for a free estimate can increase the chances, increase the reciprocity of what you are doing. So basic facts here. When someone makes a concession during influence or negotiation, you feel more obligated to make a concession. And it also creates a greater bond. Let me add something to that. It's okay to make the first offer. I don't know who ever taught you that negotiation, but that's completely wrong. Well, Assuming you've done your research. If you haven't done your research, you don't want to make the first offer. But this is part of what we're talking about here, that reciprocity. Here's what's interesting about making the first offer. Now, first of all, if both people have been to the same school, it's not going to go anywhere because no one's going to make the first offer. But when you make the first offer, it does two things. It opens up the trust, creates more reciprocity. They want to go, and it starts the negotiation process, number one. But even more important, you dictate the starting point to the negotiation. You create that anchor where statistically speaking, you're getting better terms because you got to decide where the negotiation was going to start. Also in a negotiation, the more concessions you make, the more they're going to make. Also part of that too, make them work for their concessions. Take time to think about it because if you give in too easily, it could be interpreted as a sign of weakness. And part of that too, if they're going to ask you for a concession, you ask for a concession. There has to be reciprocity there. Don't make it so easy. And that's part of any influence in negotiation. You should create a list of things that you will not give up, and things that you don't mind giving up. And don't just give them up right away. Make them work for it. Again, we see this everywhere. Taking somebody golf, out to food, free tire rotation, washing your car windows at a stoplight even though you don't want it. Free car washes or asking for donations. Volunteering to help with a meeting. Volunteering to help with a meeting. Maybe a carpet cleaner offering to clean your couch for free. I mean, what can you do to create this power, this exchange? Again, a sample, we talked about that in the study. Free product, catalog, industry report, exclusive information, a free audio or video, free personal consult, free personal coaching session, free inspection, free survey or analysis, no cost assessment, favors, compliments, invitations, any type of free entertainment. You see where we're going with this. It's so easy to do that you could do this Great power in exchange and it increases your ability to persuade. It doesn't guarantee it. It just puts you on the top of the list. If I'm a real estate agent and I give you a free CD, the 10 mistakes people make when buying a home doesn't guarantee they can do business with me, but hey, it proves my worth, lets them know what I'm talking about, and it puts me on the top of the list. Just like this guy would come to my office. He wanted my paper supply business. We're like, no, no, no. And he says, hey, would you mind if we left 12 warm chocolate chip cookies? We're like, yeah, go for it. We don't mind. And eventually we did business together, but it took a little time and a little reciprocity in exchange. That's why Men's Warehouse will press your suit for free for the life of your suit. Why? It gets you in the store, reciprocity. Next time you need a suit, they're on the top of the list. Doesn't guarantee it, but again, puts you on top of the list. So a couple things to think about here, about applying this exchange, this reciprocity, this obligation. If you're going to give something away to a prospect, for example, is it useful to them? (laughs) Just because you find it in the garage or your back inventory and nobody wanted it, it's not going to help you out. Is it useful to them? Do they need it? Will they enjoy it? Does it have a high perceived value? I mean, that's important. You're not just giving away things to give away things. I mean, it's probably better than nothing, but is it valuable to them? The second one, is it targeted? Does it reach your specific demographic? Does it solve a problem or give you credibility or prove your worth? Does it have your contact information on it? If you're giving away something, especially in the specialty advertising world, it's a billion-dollar industry, we're giving away things, especially at conventions, a a screwdriver or a poster or a hat or a T-shirt or anything along those lines, does it have your contact information on it? That's kind of an important thing. I'm going to say this. Are you gathering their contact information? Either one's fine with me. The third thing, is it well-timed? Because obligation and reciprocity in this exchange diminishes over time. So can you pre-give? The sooner the better. Start pre-giving, giving things out. Not right exactly before you need something from them. But remember, you can make multiple deposits in their obligation bank account. You can do that. So that's something to think about. This is real. What do you have to exchange? with? it's negotiation, influence, the business world, if you're influencing without authority or influencing up, those are things to think about as you go through this. Many times, giving away something for free is more powerful than anything else, and that is a new trend. Maybe they don't want to give it away for free. They should be paying. Well, you can think that way, but people are so skeptical and distrusting that, again, if you could give away something for free and it proves your worth and puts you on the top of the list and starts the conversation going, it's worth it. There are so many companies that lose money on the first order with you because they want to prove your worth. Get it in your hands, and that's okay. If you'll never do that, you're going to lose customers, you're going to lose prospects. It's okay to create that reciprocity, create that exchange. So the forgotten form of power that people don't even think about, whether it's in the workplace, negotiation, influence with prospects, what do you have to exchange? What can you give them? What can you do to create reciprocity? What can you do to get you higher on the list to prove your worth? We've gone over quite a few of those today, and that makes a huge difference in your success, and what you're able to accomplish. So that wraps up our year on Maximize Your Influence. Again, this is Podcast 219. Find us on Spotify. We're brand new on Spotify. And, of course, we are on social media. Try Twitter this week at Influence Max. And, of course, if you want to take advantage of the free book offer, this is the new edition of Maximize Your Influence. It's free. Just pick up shipping. The information on that is LawsofInfluence.com. So, have a great end of the year. Have a great time with family and friends. And, of course, Fatty Foods is a great time of year to watch football, eat fatty foods, hang out, not think about it. Because we'll talk about it in January, some New Year's resolutions. We'll have to probably lose some weight and be a little healthier. But, of course, the key is master these skills, improve yourself. Become more influential and go out and persuade with power.